Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? We have Nick Gray on the show here, and he is the guest on what is basically the pilot episode for a bit of a shift in the podcast. I realized that at the end of every week, we tend to have episodes that are like an hour to an hour and 15 minutes long, uh, and ultimately, it is one topic, then a break, and then a second topic. Uh, But now I just want to give you two opportunities to be able to hang out with us. Uh, So on Tuesdays, we're going to cover one big topic that has happened up until that point. And then later in the week on Friday, we'll follow up with whatever stories happened uh, leading up to the end of the week before the weekend when you can always just kick back listen to these podcasts whenever you wish uh, and hang out with us twice now every single week i won't belabor the uh explanation of what we're doing here too much let's just go in and get into this episode it's about a 40 to 45 minute episode as most of them will be in this new format and in this episode nick and i talk about a couple of impending devices one of them being the rog phone 5 Uh, i can't believe we're on version 5 already we skipped 4 but the announcement or rather the event for it is literally a couple of weeks away there's a countdown on asus's website for it at this point and then after the break we will take a small break still uh, we talk about the huawei mate x2 originally the mate x2 was all we were going to talk about on here but i decided to shoehorn in a little bit of rog phone 5 talk as well with all of that said let's go in and get into this episode or this half of the episode this week of the pocket now weekly podcast enjoy um hopefully everything sounds fine here i'm using a completely new setup i'm uh, you and I are going to talk about it probably in a different podcast, but we have this thing that we're gearing up to do in March. <laughs> um, we are accountability buddies. I don't know if you ever heard that term before, but that's what I'm calling us now. <laughs> that's what you're calling us now, huh? I, I, mean, I might have to do a, we might need to workshop that name a little bit, but <laughs> sure, let's go with it for now. Well, that's basically what we're doing, right? Because um, what, what, what we're trying to do as Nick and I, you know, we work... It, for for lack of a better way of putting it, we work together a lot of the time, not only on the podcast, but we talk practically every other day. Um, and we always talk about our productivity and the things that we're trying to do to like be consistent with our work. And mm-hmm. I know in my case, one of the things that I know I have to do is get my butt in this office every work day that I possibly can. So my whole goal is 10 a.m. every work day unless I plan ahead of time to do something else. So that's going to be my my whole thing. So this is the product of that. I have my set that I'm looking forward to using for literally everything. I'm going to super staff my content like crazy. Because Mr. Super Saf, one of our good friends, successful tech YouTuber, uses one desk for literally everything. Why can't we do that? He's got it down to a science. He really does, for sure. Anyway, Nick, um, you got the you got the you got the beanie on. I know that we don't do a video podcast, but you got the beanie on. Is it still snowing where you are? Uh, no, it is uh, above freezing. Our snow. Um, mm-hmm. For those who are listening, can't see this, but I'm going to move my camera, and you can still see there is snow outside. You still got the powder. Um, but this is actually the first, well, the second day that it's been above freezing. It is 40 degrees. And so some of the snow is receding. I was actually chatting with Isa uh, earlier, and I was like, yeah, it's still snow out there. And I sent her a picture, and she was saying, it was so much snow. I was like, no, like four days ago, it was so much. Like we had 14 inches on the ground. Now we're down to like three inches left. She she messaged me as you were telling her that, and she was like, oh, my God, it looks so fun. I want to make a snowman and like create a create a thing. <laughs> 
with snow. And I told her, yeah, you say that now, but then I know- It's fun for about 30 minutes to an hour. That's and exactly then you're like, what I was trying me, to say. Get me out of here. I was well, like, that, I mean, that snowman's be- going to look like crap because you're going to be shivering the whole time. And then you're going to be like, all of a sudden you're going to realize how cold it is and you're just going to want to get it over with. <laughs> So one thing that needs to be pointed out for those who don't go out in the cold and the snow is when you actually go out and do an activity and the sun is out, it might still be 20 degrees, but you're actually moving your body. You start shedding your clothes after about 15 to 20 minutes because the insulation layers that you have are just simply too much for Mm. the cold that you're experiencing. And so you see it all the time with snowboarder, snowboarders, you know, just wearing a t-shirt or something like that. It's just because they're moving their bodies so much that their body's creating so much heat. Yeah, definitely. And we were out sledding with our girls over the weekend and it was, you know, 22, 23 degrees, but the sun came out for a good 20 minutes or so. And everybody that was on the hill was like shedding their coats and like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is so hot. And I'm like, dude, it's 20 degrees out here. But once you actually move your body, it doesn't get so cold as long as you continue moving. The second that you stop moving for a minute or two, you start to feel that cold. And even though like your body's burning hot, usually your your feet and your hands are still a little bit cold or yeah. in my case, or at least- freezing because I have so bad circulation in my hands. It's really uh, bad. Well, I was going to say also the face. That's like, oh, that's usually one of the coldest, that's one of well, the I most mean, uncomfortable now coldest people, parts. Yeah, but at least now, like, people are out and they're still wearing masks exactly. while they're doing this. So it actually keeps your face a little bit warmer. It's like having a scarf on your face all the time. That's one of the reasons why, actually, um, not that it's been anywhere near the cold that you have been experiencing. Yeah, you're complaining about cold in California. <laughs> but I will admit that well, a couple of days we had some pretty cold wake-ups. And uh, on the last Pocket Now Weekly podcast I did with TK, I, I that was the first time I tried having full-on headphones for the podcast. Nor, as you know, I usually use earbuds. And then as we were going through the podcast, in the middle of it, I think I said out loud during the break, I was like, Wow, I feel really warm. I think it's because I'm wearing yeah, these headphones. <laughs> you wear the headphones for 30 minutes at a time and your ears start warming up a lot. I like it. Yeah, it was it was exactly what I needed that morning. Let's put it that way. Um, but yes, uh, Nick, thank you so much for... You, you joked before we started the show that I, you are always the beta tester in my work life. Um, and you're right, because you are the first person to be on this slightly new format that I'm trying with uh, the Pocket Now Weekly podcast. So basically what I'm looking to do is I'm actually, I'm not really splitting the show up, but we're going to do two shows every week. That's going to be one episode just split up every week. So every week you can still say it's an episode. So this is still episode 451, but you'll get the second part of 451 later on Friday. So I'm thinking Tuesdays and Fridays, we just react to a couple of big stories or at least one main story. And that's exactly what we're doing today. Originally on this episode, I was thinking we were just going to talk about the future of foldables uh, because Huawei finally unveiled the Huawei Mate X2. Um, But then there's another thing that happened where um, we're talking about Asus and we're talking about ROG. And like I I warned Nick before the show, you got to say ROG. It's the ROG phone, man. It's totally (laughs) ROG. So my, the reason why I know that is because um, the very first like high profile video I did on my channel on Joshua Vergara after I left Android Authority was indeed the ROG phone, the very first one. We were I was lucky enough to go to Computex literally the day after I started. Uh, literally the day after I left Android Authority, so I was at Computex for a week and for a weekish, and. 
um, I went ahead and like saw the ROG phone and I did that video and it was like the fact that that video got the views it did was one of those signs of like, oh, I'll be, I'll be all right. I can do this <laughs> because people loved it. But so many comments on that video, if you were to look right now, they're all like, it's R-O-G. Stop calling it ROG phone. R-A-W-G, ROG. ROG is not right, blah, blah, blah. And so many people in those comments were so pissed at me. It was so funny. But in any case, we've gone from ROG phone two, three, skipped four. Now we're at five. And I still don't really know why we're skipping four. But um, the, the, the top line... Uh, piece of information here and I'm looking at at it right now if you go over to rog.asus.com there is a countdown we have 14 days and 15 hours at the time of this recording me saying this right now to the launch event of the ROG phone 5 how hyped are you for this Uh, (laughs) honestly great start (laughs) not hyped at all I mean so the first time when Asus brought out the ROG phones and focused, did this pivot of we're focusing on performance, specifically on gaming, uh, we were at a point where Android devices were were good, but there were specific hardware tweaks where you could make a phone significantly better. Uh, when it comes to the display, when it comes to performance, when it comes to RAM management for gaming. Um, It's been four years, and Qualcomm has given us some incredible chipsets and smartphone displays across the board for flagship devices have gotten so much better than what they were four years ago that it's really, really hard to justify buying a dedicated gaming device when that's really just a small niche of what the overall platform is able to deliver with some of these other devices that are on the market. Uh, I know it's going to be cheaper than a flagship Samsung phone like the Galaxy S21 Ultra and you know other devices within that category that are pushing that top tier performance with incredible cameras as well. But I don't know. I I personally don't think I would be spending my money on a device like this. Okay, maybe you won't be spending money on it, but I think I think it's a good sign that these things are still around. Um, partially the reason oh, why I, I'm I'm totally for diversity of hardware and mm-hmm. niche products, um, but I don't think this phone is going to deliver anything that any other. I mean, even the Galaxy S21, just the base model of Samsung's flagship devices is going to deliver. I agree. Um, And I know that mobile gaming is one of those niche categories that doesn't seem like it needs a niche because most phones can handle pretty much every game that is in the play store but i when when this announcement happened or rather when the countdown started i started i I jumped into the play store and i started going on websites like pocketgamer.com shouts out to them Um, i love going there to see what what's happening in mobile and i started to see that there are a lot of games that are starting to push the envelope so you yourself you're a big call of duty mobile fan um Mm -hmm. that's one of the first games that introduced what we're used to in the pc gaming realm which is graphic settings you can turn up to like ultra high high refresh rate or sorry high frame rate all of that stuff 
and more and more games are starting to do that. 2020, there was actually a large handful of games that started to introduce more of those aspects. One of them is being uh, one, one of them being a recent release called Pascal's Wager. It's kind of like a Dark Souls uh, uh, for your phone, and yeah, there are those settings that I turned up to 11 as much as possible on my Zenfone 7 and on the uh, S21 Ultra. And there is a noticeable increase in performance and graphics quality. So like there, there is, I, I know that there's a demand. I know that most people may or may not gravitate to it. But if there's one company that could bridge some of those gaps, I do think it's Asus. After all, I am using the Zenfone 7 and this phone has some of the features that might make a gaming phone a true gaming phone. Uh, case in point, something I've actually enjoyed uh, very recently, dual band Wi-Fi. That's one feature already. The fact that you can connect to your router via 2.4 and 5 gigahertz connection simultaneously to create the most stable internet connection possible. That's a feature that I think is underrated. It's it's one of those things that esports gamers and competitive gamers on mobile might gravitate to the most, but it's helped me in terms of game streaming. Game Pass beta has been way better considering I have such a stable internet connection. So um, and this is something that's on the Zenfone 7. It's not e- I'm not even using an ROG phone, but this is a feature that was introduced on ROG phone. So I- I'm hoping that there's more things like this that really do push the envelope with ROG phone 5, uh, including, of course, all of the different accessories, like the fan and uh, maybe controller accessories, stuff like that. Of course, ROG is going to push the envelope in those ways. But yeah, I... I can already, it it may not excite you a whole lot, but I know that there are creators um, that we know that are really into that like super gamer style, even the RGB on the back. I mean, come on, how could you not think that's pretty cool? (laughs) No, and as far as what the approach is, I I do think it's cool, but from, from a consumer standpoint, as someone who, you know, people look for a specific device for a benefit over another device. Yeah. This really doesn't offer a benefit because of the way Android works and of the way that the processors on the inside uh, operate. Like they can eke out, you know, a couple percentage points improvements over something else. But then you flip that over to, actual gameplay itself and it's it's negligible improvements across the board mm-hmm. but i i will say like if you're gonna be creating a niche product for specifically for gaming like seriously make a niche product for gaming give me physical controls on the yep. device that will actually give me an advantage over any other device you know the the one reason why people love the nintendo switch is over playing games on their smartphone is the physical controls. I mean, yes, there's the games that go along with it that, you know, Nintendo offers, but the graphics quality of those games on the Nintendo Switch are inferior to the best high-end games that we have on Android. Mm-hmm. You know, the it, it's the control interface that makes the difference. And from what we've seen so far, you know, the ROG 5 isn't going to have any of that the one thing i really liked the what was it the um was it the black shark 2 from xiaomi that had the retractable trigger buttons on the side black shark 2 pro actually the pro yeah Yeah. and so and then like nubia 
has had the like the red magic they've had the air triggers or whatever they called them that were capacitive triggers on the top i i never use them because i i like having the physical feedback of a physical control uh but things like that i think would is what really makes or what should make a gaming phone stand out and without Mm -hmm. those physical implementations of an advantage that a device might actually deliver yeah, I'm not really excited about it. Well, the other the other layer to this is that, like I said before, if there's one company that could add in some of those surprises that might make all of us uh, look twice at the ROG Phone 5, it's Asus because they have done it time and time again. Wasn't it the ROG Phone 3 or 2? It was a 3 or 2 that surprisingly got a camera award from MKBHD. Because it was actually a good camera system. And again, I think it was the three, yeah. It was probably the three, yeah. Again, I use the Zenfone 7. It is my daily driver. Like, I love mm-hmm. this device. It may not have the best cameras, but its implementation of said it's cameras. It's a good all around exactly. performer. That's yeah. one of the things that I'm looking forward to. I hope I hope that that is the case with the RG Phone 5. Obviously, hopefully we get it here in the US. I know that some people were upset that it didn't show up in like European markets last time. I think, wasn't that the case? Yeah, but I mean, these are niche devices where if if you're looking to buy this phone, you can buy it online, like even mm-hmm. if it's not available yeah, like in your market. Like there's there's only a handful of markets it, it's going to be available in the store, you know, physical retail. But mm-hmm. if you know enough to actually care about this, you can spend the $50 to import it and spend, you know, for the international shipping on top of the phone price. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting because who knows, we might actually see later in the year an update to this phone because they, they're they working with what the latest and greatest is right now with a Snapdragon 888. Who knows if later in the year, Q3, Q4, we're going to get like an 888 plus, an 889. I don't know. Like maybe they'll, they'll mix it up. But whatever the update is, maybe the updated ROG phone will have to get there because I think all the other ROG phones have used plus models of the Snapdragon, actually by and large. But yeah, that's... Uh, that's something that we might be able to look forward to a little bit later on. But yes, um, this is something that we know is on its way, about two weeks away, ROG Phone 5. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's go ahead and get into a really quick break. I'm still going to do a break even in these shorter episodes. But then we're going to talk about the future of foldables with Huawei finally coming out with the follow-up to their foldable device. It's a lot different this time around, so let's talk about it after the break. You know, I know that we're about to start talking about Huawei, but I do have to say, I feel like a lot of us, I feel like everybody in one way or another sleeps on Asus because we all know that Asus does a lot of really amazing things. Um, it's just that it's not like widely adopted. It's not widely available even some of the products. They're not a huge market player. That's the issue. They're not, but they do some awesome stuff. Like for example, they the do. laptop I'm using for this very podcast at the moment is the Duo 15. Now I have the Intel version from late last year, but yeah, I have the Duo 15. So right now I have on the top left, you in the StreamYard recording. On the top right, I have the browser with our stories. On the bottom left, I have the Telegram with our messages. And on the bottom right, because of the second display on the bottom portion of the of the laptop, I have our addition recording our audio. And it's like, Asus is capable of so much. And I'm looking down at the desk right now and I literally have an Asus laptop and an Asus smartphone. I think I've bought in. (laughs) You've bought in, but that's also because you're an enthusiast and also you have direct access to the company. 
This is true. I did buy the Zenfone myself, though. Um, so it's not that I got it seated. The The laptop I did get seated, but I'm not sure what the... I still need to do my video on it, but I'm not sure if I'm even able to keep this. I doubt it because it's such an expensive device. Uh, but in any case, I don't want to I don't want to belabor the, uh, the ASUS side of things. Let's go ahead and get into the other main story that I think a lot of people are very excited for, but in ways that might or might not be um, the same as the original because the Mate X had a particular design that was bucking trends in the foldable market. The screen was on the outside, and then it would fold in to create a phone that you could use in one hand, and then it folds um, it folds out, and then you get the bigger screen. That is contrary to like the Z Fold of the time, the original Z Fold, where the screen obviously was on the inside of the fold, then you open it up like a book or like a notebook. Now the Mate X2 is kind of going the Z Fold 2 route where you have a screen on the inside, but also a large full screen on the outside. And I'm talking full. This is this is probably the most interesting design aspect of it, is the fact that you still get a, what is it? The exterior screen is 6.45 inches. Um, now, all of the screens, both, I guess I could say all, both of the screens are OLEDs, refresh rates of up to 90 hertz, um, high, mm -hmm. refre uh, high refresh rate in that case. Um, and it's, uh, well, it's technically, a, well, they're both above 1080p resolution. Let's put it that way. Obviously, the resolutions are going to be kind of odd numbers. We can't just, we can't just cleanly give it like a 1440 or a 1080 or a, or a whatever resolution. No, the, the exterior screen is a 2700 by 1160. Yes. And then the interior screen is 2480 by 2200. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which gives, that's like a 27 to 11 aspect ratio on the exterior screen. So people complaining about the 21 by nine aspect ratio of the Sony Xperia phones, like this is even taller than that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the nice thing is, so like compared to the Z Fold 2, which has a larger exterior display than its predecessor, this one is essentially the full front panel. Um, mm -hmm. It has larger bezels around the side, but it is a significant increase in screen-to-body ratio for the front display compared to Samsung's device, which is a, definitely nice. You know, you don't want to have to have an expensive device like this where you're you have a limiting form factor when you simply pull it out of your pocket where you're forced to open it up this allows you to actually use it like any other smartphone when it's folded up still rather than a limited experience like what you get on samsung's devices it's better this this past time with the z fold 2 but it's still constraining compared to other devices yeah and with people that use the z fold 2 as their mains they always tell me the same thing. Like I, they always take the they take the phone out and they immediately want to go to the larger display. It's almost as if they would prefer they 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 need to use it all the time. And that was like the that was the dichotomy that made me not look at the Z Fold Two as a must have device because ergonomics is important to me. And if I'm if I'm spending more time trying to use the external display than I am using the internal display, then that means that I don't need a tablet. Mm -hmm. So that's always been my thing. Here on the Mate X2, though, you get a full-sized outer display, one that is viable, more than viable, for the majority of things that you might do on that device. And then when you are ready 
to level up and have some fun. Open it up to that. What's the size of that in, inner screen? Let me find it. Eight inches. It's an eight-inch inner screen. Yeah, eight-inch inner screen. And one of the things that I really like about this is that the the original Mate X was a lot thinner than the Galaxy Z Fold because it had the display on the outside. And the way that the screen was folding was on the outside so that they could have that flexibility for it so that it you know doesn't break uh, but they actually created a device here with the mate x2 that's thinner than the z fold as well mm-hmm. and it, i i think it's kind of interesting the way that they designed this uh if you unfold it and you lay it flat on a desk you'll see that the side where the camera is uh is a lot thicker than the other edge and so it's kind of like this it's like the shallow pyramid or a shallow triangle. And so when you fold it up, it creates, so you have this thinner side that folds into the thickest point. And so it creates a, a perfectly rectangular device when you fold it up, but there's really no, no gap in between the two sides of the display because of the way that they designed it in this manner. Instead of trying to make both sides equally thick all the way around, you mm-hmm. have a thinner side folding into a thicker side which creates a more symmetrical look when it's folded up. Uh, I, I think that's kind of ingenious in the way it is. Um, but I, I don't know. The the one thing that Huawei has really been doing great for the last couple of years is their cameras, especially on their Mate devices. Up, yeah. And this essentially has the same camera modules as what we got on the latest, what was it, the Mate 4? Uh Or no, what was it? <laughs> Mate 40. Mate 40, 40 that <laughs> Mate launched. Mate 4. Four. It just cut the zero off the end. The the Mate 40 that just launched uh, this past fall, which has an incredible camera system. And that's one thing that the Z Fold 2 doesn't have. I mean, that's essentially, the Z Fold 2 essentially has a modified version of the Galaxy S20's camera with, you know, some slightly tweaked versions, but it's not what, you know, the Note 20 Ultra offered. Mm. Uh, it's a step down. Yeah, the, the, the camera's... They're Leica branded, which, you know, Huawei and Leica have always been in cahoots at this point. And it, it makes me think back to the to the time when we actually went, like Huawei, this was obviously before the ban, but Huawei brought us out to, brought some of us out to the Leica, is it factory or Leica headquarters um, in Germany? And it was to see the amount of collaboration between the two brands was very interesting one of the main questions that i remember jaime just kept asking over and over again because no one had a full answer until like late in the in the tour was did leica actually develop the glass for each and every device because it it says glass by leica and they said okay it's not really glass like we tuned it but of course it's mass produced like like glass Mm -hmm. glastic that you know this the kind of it's the kind of material yeah. you would put on a smartphone camera on the back so like yes and no in a way but anyway uh i'm sure that the cameras on this are going to be pretty great and given the form factor i think the form factor on something like this is a little bit more accessible than the original made x because you i don't know you were with the screen being on the outside you had all of these questions of durability but also usability because um if you're not able to fold the the cameras to a certain like angle and you still can't see yourself in the viewfinder the way that you can with the z fold and the z fold 2 this is probably going to lend itself to slightly better 
um, experiences in that regard where you can actually like fold it and use like half of the screen as a tripod and whatnot. That's something I always enjoyed with the Z Fold 2s. Wasn't enough to make me think it's a it's my main phone, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Um, 50 megapixel wide angle, 16 megapixel ultra wide, 12 megapixel telephoto, and a three times optical zoom. So a little bit similar to um, our most recent example of having two different zooms, the S21 Ultra, of course. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, where do you land on the on the processor? Because with Huawei not being able to really operate in too many markets, we are also deprived of what Huawei can make as far as silicon is concerned. Yeah, I mean, so this is the same chipset as what they had on their latest flagship devices. So, I mean, it's not going to be anything of an improvement over their flagship devices from 2020. Uh, They are running into some limitations as to how they are procuring the... It's really hard to pinpoint exactly where all the issues are for them because they have issues on the intellectual property side with... um, things that are created for the chipset itself as far as the development of the chipset but also they have restrictions on uh hardware to actually build the chipset because the u.s government is restricting manufacturers that use u.s hardware to build chipsets to produce chipsets for huawei so there's so many complications here on how they're trying to get around that honestly i think they have a big batch of chipsets that they've already had produced that kind of precede some of these most recent uh, trade limitations that they've gone through. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's just interesting every month where you continue to talk about Huawei because they have such a big impact on the smartphone industry. But every month it's what are the next restrictions that are being placed on this company and how are they trying to get around that in order for them to stay relevant within the space and we've seen the last couple months that they took a big big hit in the last quarter of Mm -hmm. 2020 and i sat at the top for a very short amount of time (laughs) it was two and a half a year and a half to two years yeah i mean it's Immediately when the U.S. trade restrictions were placed on Huawei, they they came out and were like, we had our biggest quarter ever, and we are also the biggest smartphone manufacturer on the planet. Mm. And they, they maintained that for a little bit, uh, mainly because they don't have any presence at all in the United States, which is their main market for you know the trade restrictions. They've had so much more in, in Europe, but slowly, slowly... Man, uh, you know, retailers and service providers have started to drop Huawei from their lineups just because consumers want a phone that can have the Play Store installed on it. Yeah, that that is, of course, the elephant in every Huawei room is yeah. uh, th- this phone is meant to ship with EMUI 11, which is based on Android 10. But of course, mm-hmm. th- it's without Google services. And because of the tumultuous, let's just call it that, that's calling it very, um, that, that's being very modest with the with the terminology, but with their tumultuous relationship with Google, of course, Huawei has to move on at some point, and this phone will be getting Harmony OS um, early on in its cycle, which, according to this article, is saying that's going to start getting it in April. That's not that far off. So Android is getting no, eradicated little by little by little on on uh, Yeah, Huawei so devices. I mean, that's, that's Huawei's plan uh, is to move away from Android just because of the restrictions that are being placed on it. There's no reason for Huawei to stick around with Android specifically because if they are 
facing all these trade, the, the benefit of Android is that you have this big ecosystem that you can take part of. If they are being shunned and not being allowed to use the full potential of the ecosystem, there's no reason to be part of Android in the first place. We still don't have all the details as to what Harmony OS is going to be able to offer. Honestly, I think it's Harmony OS is going to be a customized version of Android from more or from less. what I've. Aren't you? It, it's aren't gonna, you? Uh, aren't you curious though? Don't you want to try it? Like, oh, it, I totally that, do. I totally that, do. That's but, what every Huawei device is now. Is every little part of it is something I wish I could try out. There's like this certain level of, not FOMO, but like we're just missing out. Well, we're missing out because of the fact that they are different. Because Huawei pushes boundaries that other manufacturers typically don't push on because they're just trying to be competitive. Huawei's had such a big stake of the market where it can kind of carve out its own area and with that not risk losing market share, right? Uh, but with this, I mean, Harmony OS is going to come out, uh, as you mentioned, starting in April. Uh, they said with the launch of this device, it will be one of the first devices to be ported to Harmony OS. Um, and that's the reason why it launched with Android 10, because they're like, why should we develop Android 11 if we're just moving away from it? Um, but it'll be interesting to see, because even if Harmony OS at its base is still Android, it's not Google's version of Android, mm -hmm. which means it's it will be a complete fork of Android that will allow them to do whatever they want. I, I would imagine the majority of the things are going to remain the same so that they can maintain app compatibility and things like that. But I, I wouldn't put it past them to rejigger the user interface just a little bit and come up with some new paradigms that we haven't seen in mainstream Android for a long time. Agreed. Agreed. Then that's that's literally how features in Android eventually come about, is that other manufacturers uh, start messing with the formula and eventually Google's mm -hmm. like, you know what, that is a good idea. <laughs> that is a good idea. But I, this is going to be one of those areas where they're going to be messing with Android and I think everybody else is going to be ignoring them besides a select number of maybe even Chinese manufacturers that... Uh, and they've said Harmony OS is going to be open, allowing other other OEMs to contribute and also take part. And, you know, just imagine if, you know, if they can get a certain percentage of the market, specifically in China, to adopt Harmony OS and move away from the core version of Android, it will it will kind of make this divide within the ecosystem. Uh, but I think eventually it could lead some to some meaningful innovations on the platform well the other the other elephant in every huawei room uh, especially when it comes to interesting devices like this is of course the price so what we have <laughs> yeah. here the mate x2 available in china starting with 256 and ending with 512 gigabytes of storage starting at 17,999 rmb which translates to basically around 2785 dollars Goodness, and then the <laughs> and then the five twelve edition is going to be closer to three thousand dollars. Now, yeah, about not, fifty bucks shy of three thousand. It's not unheard of for devices like this to be this expensive. I mean, the original Z Fold was a bit of an investment in and of itself, and the original Mate X was also. Um, I can only imagine what it will be like for like the import export um, market if people are going to try to get this. Let's say if you're in Europe and you try to get the Chinese version, or if you're in the US and you try to get the Chinese version, um, it's it's uh, 
It's nuts. I mean, I only know of one person who will probably have any amount of content on this, and that's Ben Sin uh, over at XDA because he lives in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's one of those things where this is one... Like, I I love the Galaxy S21 Ultra. I'm trying to look for it on my desk. And I Mine's in my it's across the room right now. Yeah. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, oh, it's a great device. Man, it's expensive. But $1,200 isn't anywhere close to what the price of this phone is. Like Mm -hmm. you could buy two Galaxy S21 Ultras and still have $400 left over. And you know what? The S21 Ultras are already coming down in price. There's already some discounts that are popping up. It's not even been that long. (laughs) Well, the the discounts are popping up because they launched with the $200 Samsung credit if you pre-ordered it. And Mm, that's fair within a week after you know the phone went on sale you know you could actually buy it then they're like well we'll just give you a $200 discount instead instead of Mm -hmm. pre-ordering it so I mean Samsung's always done that with its devices but yeah I mean to your point you can get the S21 Ultra for a thousand or eleven hundred dollars right now which you know compared to what we were paying last year for Samsung's flagship devices it's a steal yeah agreed Um, okay so any last thoughts on this? Because uh, I, I want to say that for anybody out there that really follows Foldables, a.k.a. Michael Fisher, is it a disappointment that the Mate X2 is going with the paradigm rather than against it? Because it might be the only... I mean, I know Xiaomi did have their own concept. Oppo, I think, has... no. Just Xiaomi. Xiaomi has their own concept of a foldable where the screen is on the outside. The Mate X had the screen on the outside. But now the paradigm is uh, starting to look like this, the fold should be within. <laughs> that sounded kind of deep, but <laughs> the fold is within. <laughs> Bring the fold within. I, I think it is a little bit disappointing. When I saw that this is what their approach is going to be for this device, Um I was disappointed because I did think that the original Mate X's approach was a better approach, mainly for the size of the display. It allowed them to have a larger display. When you use it, when it's folded, it's a larger display. And then when you put it in your pocket and it's folded up, the phone is dramatically thinner than what the Galaxy Fold devices are. This one's a little bit thinner than the Galaxy Fold smartphones, but you know, it's if everyone's iterating on the same idea, you can only go so far. If someone comes yeah. out with a different idea and we have iterations on two different ideas, the technology grows in two different directions for the better. One might be better than the other, but that doesn't mean we're, if we're all working on the same idea, we're not going to get as far along as we would if both of us, if there's two or more ideas being worked on at the same time. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe there will be, because there was the Mate XS. Maybe there's going to be the Mate X2S or something. Who knows? Yeah. Naming conventions well, I mean, that always one, be damned. Yeah. I mean, that one there was mainly for, I think they added an improved processor and yeah, 5G It was literally an update to the original, for sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, who knows what will happen with the Mate X2 if either of us will ever get it in our hands. It's probably pointing to probably not. Uh, and with foldables, we'll use it as a tra- at a trade show sometime next year. Someone, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to have it and be like, "Yeah, I've been using this 
for the longest time. Do you want to check it out? Like, yeah. And then we all do like hands-ons at a bar. <laughs> and be like, that's oh, look, I finally got my to. hands on it. <laughs> yeah. If we ever get together in a bar again, right? That's very true. And hopefully that changes very, very soon. In any case, um, the foldable market obviously continuing on. And then we have what is next on the horizon, which is rollables. Uh, there was a story that I wanted to bring up uh, regarding LG and the, I, the, the, the notion, or rather the rumor, that they have suspended development on their rollable device that they teased now we're not going to get into it now because literally that is another story for another day and that's because i'm going to go ahead and leave that off for our friday show we'll talk about that in our upcoming episode later this week uh but in any case nick thank you so much for being on what is basically the pilot episode of this new format i'm trying out for the podcast twice a week now you get us twice a week so you can kick it with us in the middle of the week have some fun with us maybe have a cup of tea and then we'll just round out the week with one last episode looking at whatever happened since the previous um, all right. Well, for everything that, uh, for all of the links rather that uh, entails to Nick Gray and also Fandroid and also myself, all of them are in the show notes, which I'll go through in the outro starting now. All of the links for Nick and, of course, Fandroid and myself on a personal level are all found in the show notes. Make sure you follow us across the interwebs and on our respective YouTube channels. As far as Now is concerned, you're already listening to the Now Weekly Podcast, so thank you so much for kicking it with us on this episode. Follow Now on all social media platforms at Now. Over at Pocketnow.com, you can find the latest headlines, and of course, there is YouTube.com slash Pocketnow for videos that are coming out pretty much every single day. With all of that said, we're going to call it on this edition of the Now Weekly Podcast with our follow-up the other half of this week's episode coming in a few days. We'll see you then.